So here we go. We're five, four, three, two, one. And we are back on the Nobody's Famous podcast with an amazing, exciting, and a very different show. And today, my guest is none other than Andrew Cook. How are you, buddy? Hello, everybody. I'm awesome. Always awesome. Thank you, Ali. Born ready. Born ready. Awesome, man. So, so what I like to do at this uh, point of the uh, show is ask a bit of some warm-up questions for you, just to get you, you know, to get you... Uh, limbered up. up. Yeah, limbered um, up. Yeah. <laughs> difficult, difficult for me to be more hyped, Ali, just at this stage, just to let you know, but let's, let's see what you've got. Okay. Okay. No pressure. So here we go. Um, you know, uh, uh, I will admit, you know, uh, to watching Suits. Uh, and for okay. those for those who don't know, it's an American legal series, famous for these amazing, fantastic, crazy arguments that that happen almost every scene. And my question here is, how can uh, the audience, you know, learn to win more arguments in life? The Nobody's Famous Podcast. You know, the core of the question here is, you know, is this true? Do, you know, are, are lawyers the experts at winning arguments? Are there techniques we can learn? What are these, you know, approaches that we could take to the subject? That is a really interesting question. And I'm going to, and, and, and I'm sure you're after like a pithy answer, but I'm not going to give you one, Ali. I'm going to number one say, what is, what, how do you define winning an argument? Like if this is about, can I go out with my friends and, and drink Mrs. Rifai, right? And, and for you not to be annoyed about it, that is an argument I cannot help you win. Uh, on the other side, uh, I think that uh, that kind of, lawyers actually are really, uh, in my experience, not always great arguers. In fact, what they tend to do is rely on the fact that if you come into the argument and you're a lawyer, there's almost an assumption you're going to be good at it. So you kind of get extra privileges in the argument. Things that you say are given a sort of a, an extra degree of authenticity because you've been to law school or whatever. And that can be really effective in resolving a lot of arguments. You just kind of come in and just go, well, obviously this is the answer. And everyone goes, oh, well, the lawyers just said it. We should probably go with that, right? So you've kind of got to be aware of that privilege. That also goes into a point in terms of how you win arguments, which is preparing the ground for when the argument lands. That's my top tip for... Mm winning arguments is don't just bowl in there with your ideas. Think about the time that you're putting them on the table and the context you're putting on the table and what you can do to prepare the environment for your killer argument to land. So there you go. That's my top tip. Next nice. question, Ali. Come on. Top, Let's top keep tip. bubbling. <laughs> okay. So I won't, I won't comment on that then. Uh, <laughs> um, and uh, just a side note, these are, uh, these are some of Alex's questions to you, our co-founder. Um, Hello, who we know as well. As, Wheels, good, absolute legend behind the ones and twos. Yeah, behind the ones and twos. I tell you that, you know. And then um, the, another question is: um, Tell us about a time where you you felt that you badly lost a negotiation, and why? Badly lost the negotiation, and why? Goodness me. Um, well, I can tell you that my my daughter just put a note under the door that says literally here it is please accept my screen time request which i've just granted without providing any conditions so i think i've probably lost that one <laughs> she's already been she's already been on roblox for her mandated one hour and i just gave her an extra hour so that she didn't come and hassle me throughout the course of this recording so 
did I, tr I traded having talked about comfort in our preacher i've traded being comfortable for a screen time request and probably then a request for further robux to spend on magical horses or uh inexplicable vehicles in blocksburg or whatever it may be um so probably then in terms of uh, in terms of like uh i find it really difficult to negotiate with my kids because they are i mean as much as we lay down barriers they are very effective at basically pulling all the tools out of the bag so they split between me and my wife my youngest one can turn on the waterworks just like that like incredible performances just like straight up there paltro stuff right just incredible so so yeah i think commercially it's rare that uh something goes super sideways so yes me and my mm. kids that's the, that's the screen time negotiations never work out to my favorite it seems that's very interesting that you mentioned that you know why because i feel that you know as kids we have a innate power to to argue and i used to be told you know by my dad all the time when i was young he's like you know what you should be a lawyer you know you, you should be a lawyer you should go to court do your argument because you're very good at that and i just feel that you know as we grow older that sounds pretty passive aggressive on the part of your dad by the way yeah it's like, like yeah you should go you should yeah it is it is because he's like because he you know we are he was in, he was in sales no like that, that was yeah, uh, yeah. car sales right so he should yeah. be like he should be absolutely all over it <laughs> so if you're, maybe maybe this is like a lost profession for you. you you know you're running rings around the sales guy as a young man ali you know you're always welcome into the fraternity <laughs> i should do i should become you know start off as a paralegal you know it's it's not, not far off you know that's right Make we offer training contracts at fanatic um you know <laughs> i'll set a set aside a place for you ali when you realize your true calling my true calling you know thought it was voiceover but no i should be writing contracts think about that's it right yeah. And I just, I just, don't you think that as we grow older, we kind of, for those who are not, let's say, uh, masters of negotiation or, argue, or arguing, I mean, I know we're negotiating every single second of our lives, but don't you think we kind of lose that thing that we learn as kids? We learn to, you know, we kind of have the gall to argue or the, or the will to argue, but then we kind of lose that as we grow older. Uh, I think you become less concerned about the immediate negotiation that's in front of you and you start to think more in the long run because you just had more experience like the number of people who let's say are up in my linkedin saying oh, i really i'd love a job at fanatic or you know tell me how to get a job in esports or even before that when i was at flash right you know tell me about how to get into music and you, i always say to those people don't worry too much about the first couple of years of your career like once you've been doing it for 20 years you start to see that there's a long run to things and so that kind of immediacy and fire of youth a lot of that is driven just because of your lack of lived experience right you start to once you get a little bit older i think it becomes much less about and that's what i mean when i'm talking about what does it mean to really win because so often you might win the the, the battle that's in front of you and then lose because of perhaps how you know how aggressively you've negotiated yeah the or, confrontational style yeah uh, right 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 or <laughs> so on like a, a confrontational people can be very effective uh, there's a quote which, I, which i'm gonna uh, get wrong but it's something about you know the world is changed by unreasonable people effectively mm. and that's and that's true like ultimately if you look at the people who are kind of you know obviously you've been very successful in recent years you're elon musk's and those kind of people i mean Elon, Elon Musk called somebody who'd saved a bunch of kids from a Thai cave, a paedophile, and then won the associated lawsuit, right? Because he just 
you know, he's prepared to take it there. He doesn't really care about how he's perceived in the broader sense. He's prepared to be unreasonable. He saw the advantage, you know, I'm not a big Musk fan by any means, but, you know, he saw Clearly. the possibility, right. He saw the possibility of, uh, of uh, electric cars when other people didn't, right. And so he placed that bet and he, and it's come off in a major way. So, cause he was prepared to be unreasonable, but ultimately most unreasonable people find themselves, I think, struggling later on in life because ultimately people just go, I could deal with you or I could deal with that person over there unless I've got no choice but to deal with you. I'm going to go and deal with that person over there because it's just too much hassle. So, um, again, that's also a factor in these sort of things, longer-term view. Very interesting uh, take and the kind of way that went. Um, interesting. I think we'll delve into it more. Um, Away, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be going oh my god um here we go so there, this is another one uh is um how can okay so so this is they're, they're a bit of a mix of questions but just this is again like i said this is just to warm you up so how can how can gamers protect themselves since you're in the esports world now how can gamers protect themselves when a certain game uh let's say dies out and they've been playing it for so long so for example uh counter-strike right uh, the Fnatic team or any 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 like esports gamers been playing League of Legends for years and there's a pro gamer on that this is how he makes his money he she makes his money all that kind of stuff tomorrow the game is dead no one's playing it anymore how do you think they can protect themselves and you can answer you know either from a legal standpoint or just generally it's fine um I think the risk of that happening in the top tier titles is getting lower right so you know, if I look at, you know, Riot, for example, obviously the core product is League of Legends, but you're now seeing Wild Rift come off that. You're seeing Valorant come out of that. Yep. Um, Riot is, like, Riot is not going to change its commitment to esports if I just going to double down on it. So if you're in one of those games, like, you've probably got a decent career ahead of you, right? Like, if you're in Wild Rift, for example, which is absolutely blowing up in Southeast Asia at the moment, if you're in that game and you're good at that game, then, you know, you're probably going to be okay. For games like, I think CS is, in, is just in, an incredible uh, product in many ways, right? Like, it's, you know, Counter-Strike tournaments were going on in 2006 when it was, you know, we're talking about 1.6 era of, yeah, of CS. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and yet it's still going. Like, you know, we talk about Valorant coming up and Valorant is a hot title. We just signed a team in, in Valorant. But, but ultimately, if you look at actual viewership, I'm like concurrent viewership, watched hours in CS, they're still all the way up there. Like if we were to get Twitch charts up now and somebody's watching what, you know, just chatting would be up there because everyone's just using Twitch yeah. and just chatting now during during lockdown. But CS is a is still a, a you know a sort of like a, a great product and you know we have uh, uh, sort of doubled down on our commitment to CS. We're in uh, ESL Pro League, which is the Premier League in effectively in um, Counter-Strike. It's a great product. It's still pulling in great deals. Uh, players are still doing incredible things. And it's so explicable, right? Like you can watch it and understand what's going on within 10 seconds, which obviously you can't for League of Legends. So I think of course. How, how can players uh, protect themselves? I mean, look, it's difficult if you're in one of the team, one of the games that could have made it in uh, mm. FPS, right? So Apex, for example, if you're an Apex player, and uh, that's a that's obviously a title that's been backed by EA or is is an EA title, pardon me, which is, again is a powerhouse, but it just didn't quite get there from a competitive ES, uh, esports sort of um, standpoint. So, uh, I suppose in conclusion, whatever game you're playing, if you want to be a pro at it, make sure that the developer is very committed to esports. Right, that's that's number one. Because wow. if it if it's like Riot, 
and they see esports as being obviously it's a huge marketing tool for the product itself it it's incredible numbers of watch hours which in turn drive great uh, revenue for the developer you're good if you're something where you, they're on the, you know the developer might be on the fence a touch about esports and ea has definitely kind of come and gone because ultimately you know fifa madden nba 2k all these kind of titles they're making money off those without there being a a competitive scene around it, right? Because ultimately FIFA Ultimate Teams, for example, drove, I think across FIFA Ultimate Teams or its kind of equivalent it last year, that we're literally talking about billions in revenue just on in-game items in those things. Yeah. So, okay, I can just take all that money and not worry about my competitive scene because ultimately my sort of like, you know, weekend league games are just driving incredible revenues in foot. So, okay, fine. I mean, that's, we have the greatest player in FIFA, a guy called Tex. Um, he's not a cowboy. He's, that's, his, that's his tag. Um, but, but Tex, I mean, Tex is earning insane money and doing great. So, you know, if you're going to be in one of those non-esports titles, then you better be the best in the world or have mm. a great Twitch viewership. Um, because I suppose that's the second point. It, regardless of whether or not you're in, you, you know, whether or not you're playing uh, one title all the time, building your Twitch viewership on the other side of it is also super important, right? Because ultimately, uh, however good you are at the game, if the game falls away and your Twitch audience is there and you can continue to entertain them, you know, we've already you seen, can adapt. So, mm -hmm. right? You can adapt and you and you can sell that audience in to almost like a you move out of gaming and you become an entertainer, right? So if there's a guy who uh, has played for Fnatic, uh, or in the Fnatic Curls, he's called Power. So when we signed Power, uh, who is a leading streamer in Italy, when we signed Power, he probably had about 100,000 subs on, on YouTube. This is uh, several years ago, maybe four or five years ago. He's now the biggest, or one of the biggest streamers in Italy, both on video on demand and on Twitch. He has now got a book deal. He's a face of uh, 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 one of the faces of Adidas. We just did a great campaign with Lavazza and, and Power. So, and that's all driven by his Twitch viewerships. So, uh, like, uh, don't get me wrong, he's very good at Fortnite, right? But he's not like the best player in the world yeah, at yeah. Fortnite. He's just yeah. super entertaining. He's been very open about some of his, you know, sort of mental mental well being issues. Uh, his father passed a while ago, and he's really reached out to the community of other people who, um, who who have kind of who's. You know, parents have been afflict afflicted by that same thing. Like Milan Games Week, he's there and, and the fans are crying to see this guy. And he is now an entertainment property because of his Twitch viewership. So in summary of that point, Ali, number one, make sure the developer backs esports. Number two, build your Twitch viewership. It's a great summary. I actually was not expecting the, you know, the, the, the first answer because uh, I would be of the notion that if... Um, which might probably work against gamers in a way is is to diversify your kind of portfolio maybe maybe to one or two two games in a way like because dota i'm not you know people are going to start to hate me the gamers are clamoring they're not the same they're not the same in a way they're based on the same concept i mean league of legends is concept is based on dota so in a way i, I would say you know kind of uh very old school very old school i would say you know uh, diversify in a way so that was that's why i was not expecting your your first answer but, yeah, but i mean league, league of legends right now the the meta of league of legends and dota is very distinct right so, no, so yes, it, of course of course so no so 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 like for example tower placement in 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 well in fact even um league of legends right in terms of 
the jungle versus like bot lane, top lane, and focus on those kind of things. And like, in fact, the, the innovation that our guys have, have, have sort of cracked also with BG2 on the weekend is around basically not focusing on initial battles and just leveling up around the map to then really sort of like capture the the, the sort of, you know, the, 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 the later wins. And that is a meta change that's come about since the last split, right? So those guys are just grinding the game, you know, many, many hours a day. It's very difficult to be a top tier pro unless you're prepared to put in that kind of commitment, just like anything else, right? Correct. Like, you know, Correct. if you want to play ping pong for a living, you can't do it with like, you know, half an hour in your garage with your dad. Like of you're going to have to they're all playing solo queue to a very high level, like all that sort of stuff. So um, yeah, you've got to commit to it. I think in FPS, there's obviously some parallels, but even between something like Rainbow Six and uh, CS, very, yeah. very different skill set. Like Rainbow Six, a lot more tactical. Uh, you know, Call of Duty, mm -hmm. the sort of spray and pray style of Call of Duty just doesn't work in R6 because you just get your headshot off. Um, so I think that there's a, you can definitely work on the fundamentals so in fps aim tracking and so on but i think if you dedicated to a game go at it with those two recommendations awesome awesome uh, there's just so much to talk and i i just i want to set the kind of like scene for everyone and what's to come is the fact that you've said all these technical and gaming terms more than i have has now just really yeah it's just Okay, I know where we're going with this. This is this is crazy. Um, next question before we get too 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 deep into that is: Do you think professional gamers should have a degree in gaming? A degree in gaming. Well, uh, interestingly, we had interestingly kind of I had someone apply for an internship, really fantastic candidate, and uh, that person had sort of effectively studied esports in parallel to the degree. So some universities in the UK are kind of now starting to offer business of esports type kind of I guess um, I don't know what the best like like parallel. It's not it's not your core degree, right? But it's kind of something you can study in parallel to it. And some of them have got um, little gaming houses on their campus. You know, they're offering people the ability to sort of LAN uh, together and those kind of things. Um, I've I'm really got mixed views about those kind of things. Mm -hmm. I think ultimately getting at like getting at I suppose building on that previous point, getting out there and playing with the best players you can find. Is really what's going to drive your success yeah. in esports, and I think um, if you really think you can make a career out of it, um, making sure that you don't get sort of, uh, I suppose actually a, a good, a better parallel is like again to talking about your dad, right, and sales and car sales and those kind of things. Like if you were a car salesperson and you turn up to your first day at Volkswagen, right? Or Mercedes, I think your dad was working for. And um, and you're like, uh, okay, so I've got a degree in car sales, right? That's going to be exactly right. Ultimately, what makes you in that business is outcomes, right? Like, Results, do you sell? Yeah. So, do you sell the, exactly. Do you sell the cars? Did the customers enjoy dealing with you? Are you getting repeat business? Like all these kind of like classic classic metrics. It's exactly the same in esports. Like if you if you're winning games if you're contributing and you understand particularly in 5v5 games like what your contribution is in that regard and you can fit into that team and accelerate it there's always going to be a room for you um so so there the focus i think is on understanding where your blind spots are in terms of career development so again we see a lot of like fortnite pros and fortnite pros tend to be younger so you know there are people who are making i would say making a living but then they're, they're you know getting decent money in 
uh, as Fortnite pros age 15, right? So yeah. those, those are the people who need to understand not, okay, I need to go off and do a course, but it's more like, okay, what do I not know? And that's a really hard thing when you're 15 to go, actually, I should probably have an accountant to make sure that my tax affairs are set and I should have somebody to look over the contracts that I'm signing. So I'm not doing things that, mm-hmm. you know, are, are going to, are going to really uh, cost me in future years. Like if I'm doing endorsement deals, I'm making sure that I'm not handing over absolutely all of my rights to somebody, right? I'm just, you know, it's, it's within a certain parallel. Those, those are better investments than, than your time in a degree. I think if your career is going to be in esports as a player. I think that's a great answer. And, and I would add to, add to your point is a good parallel is sports. You know, if you're a, you're an athlete and you don't have to have a degree in sports science or something, you're, you're physically playing the game and then esports and, and gaming like video gaming in general is one of those rare scenarios where you know you'll be playing and you can be sitting down you'll be playing the game and somebody says wow that's he's he's really good and then you can make a career out of that you know um similar to to sports and and these questions come come across from uh, uh one Hayal Qadi I'm sure you know her as well uh she Hello, was I. the ones who have have suggested these questions to you and so 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 uh, there's a lot to get into uh andrew there's so many things and um here is uh, i want to set the stage for the type of show this is going to be because those were the warm-up questions so you know legal jargon is allowed and i want people to but i want people to understand your journey so that it's you know it's accessible to everyone everyone can understand you know the 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 kind of journey that you've been on and the 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 impact esports is having on the world and how you know, the, the legal side fits into it, which is, I would say, you know, not spoken of as much, you know, mm. especially with um, those Fortnite pros you talked about, like somebody at the age of 15, even younger, how do these, you know, um, younger, younger players, how do they navigate the, you know, because they're getting access, you know, they're getting exposure to contracts at such a young age. You need a legal guardian, you need a you know a mentor, mm. an advisor, these kinds of things. And uh, I just want to say this ain't gonna be a normal show. So so here we go. And uh, so first, before all of that, I want to talk about you. I want the uh, listeners and the viewers to know who Andrew Cook is. And wow. he, I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah yeah <laughs> I wanna I wanna read your your bio back to you. Uh, right. which I'm sure you didn't hesitate in writing. I'm sure this just flowed like water. So I'm just going to read it back to you. And, and you, you wrote to me and you said, Andrew is a leading entertainment lawyer specializing in music, sport, and esport. He has supported and delivering live events to more than 8 million people from sponsorship activations through to global football tournaments. During his eight years as general counsel and head of strategy for Flash Entertainment at Abu Dhabi, he and his team received awards, including Department of the Year and General Counsel of the Year, from Legal 500, Legal Week, and the Asia MENA in-house community. He now heads the legal function at Fnatic, the leading team in esports, and the pioneer in the pro gaming space. So, with having said all that, having said all that, what is the what is the profound achievement that you have made in your life now that you've you know, have you heard all of this? What's what's the most groundbreaking achievement that you've you've made? Um, uh, professionally, uh, presumably we're talking about. Um, that's a difficult question. I've been uh, very lucky to have a lot of kind of wins and firsts and those kind of things. I think this is good. This is going to sound pretty 
uh, soppy, but I think the I'm still in touch with a lot of people that have worked in my teams, and a lot of them have gone on to really like wonderful careers and are still growing and st and and are still sort of uh, implementing things, I guess, that we had talked about and innovating on those and and just and making the most of their talents. And I think that's probably uh, the best part of it because you know we can do. I could talk about specific agreements we've done. I talk about things that have been really complicated that we've got over the line, but that's the job. Like ultimately, if you're, you know, and you, you know, you can parallel this into your own experience, right? You'll do a huge project. So you do the UFC and you're in the bubble and it's, there's so many moving parts and you make your contribution and you can say, you know, I'm really, really proud of that. But ultimately that's the core of what it is that you do. Like you are there to execute events. To do that. Do, yeah. Right. To do your part of it. And, and I think you can want to do those things absolutely as as well as you can but fundamentally that's what they're paying you the wages to do so it's like okay what else do you add on top of that what else do you sort of i don't know leave behind and i don't i don't want to get too sort of kind of i don't know i suppose like if i was to die tomorrow and you're at the funeral right and they're going okay what did you do they're not going to say okay you did a naming rights deal or you did a you know a, a five-year contract for, for two football tournaments like those are not the things that make a difference in people's lives Right. The things that make a difference to people's lives are, are here is somebody who, who made an effort to, to further my career. Here's somebody who, you know, when I look back on my career or my life, they had a contribution to that. Here was somebody who cared about uh, about making the most of my talent and I appreciated it. And, and that has knock on effects on 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 other people's lives. Like that's that's where the, the juice has to be. So I think developing those teams, which I haven't been able to do at scale, but that's also meant that I've been able to do it for individuals focused. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, exactly. And retaining that sort of upside for individuals is is a wonderful thing. And I'm pleased. And I'm pleased to say that we're we're doing it now again in Fantastic. So you know, in here in the UK, you can register to create uh, solicitors effectively to to say you don't have to go to a law firm to become a lawyer. You can stay with Fantastic, and we can sort of certify you as a lawyer, and then you become a lawyer. So we're doing that for the first kind of candidate. Also, from a sort of diversity and inclusivity perspective, we started to reach out to people who don't have a background in esports right like traditionally esports has been a very white male thing so we're literally looking to people from the local communities around around fanatic trying to bring them into the process trying to say you know you don't to be in esports you don't just have to be a player you know there's always other things that you can do as well and that's been super successful so that process is starting again and that definitely uh, helps me uh, get up in the morning and, and get into it uh, you answered this difficult question quite uh, gracefully, I'd like to say. Um, it's, I'm, it's, I'm 40, uh, 41 now, Ali, you know, you can kind of like get out, get <laughs> great. Uh, if you can't be relatively, I think you should be graceful and destruction. Or, you should, or you should be totally ungraceful. Like those are the two options that are available to you at my, as, as a boomer you know <laughs> boomer okay here we go boomer is talking about about um r6 rainbow six strategies and tactical mm. movements and all that stuff okay yeah um so actually this kind of leads it, it kind of leads in, your answer leads into this next question that i have which is you know you've said this in your your previous interviews which you say you you, you love to kind of ask this question to people or you like to say it is that you 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 like to say that you help people find importance of, of meaning in their work you know and it's a it's a rather i would say very powerful statement and uh, something that you know if you you need to realize uh, i think daily sometimes you realize across the line and then you 
go like, okay, what am I doing? Uh, and you need to kind of take a step back or you go like what I've been doing for the last five years, is it, did it really make an impact? And, and, and rather, I want to flip it around a bit and ask you something different. I want to say, when have you ever felt that your work was unfulfilled or underappreciated? When have you felt that your work was useless in a way? Hmm. Um, I think, so I've, I've definitely learned a lot in the last, so as you kind of get more, more senior, you get this kind of interesting, uh, what's the word? Um, paradox, right? Which is that theoretically, right, you're now in a position to be able to make change within a business because you're senior, right? So you, you're, you should be, you know, all of the things being equal, your hands should be closer to the levers of power in a sense, right? So, so you should understand how the levers of power work. Like, okay, I, I pull this on the desk and underneath the desk, I know what happens, right? Because I've kind of, I have what, you know, what's called domain control. I understand what happens under the desk, but I'm also a little bit closer to it. So therefore I should be able to pull that lever. And also you've kind of, again, professionally, if you've come up through an organization quite often you might have made some bets right as in you might have back particular projects right and that might have then kind of come back to you in terms of positive uh, impact in your career so you're kind of a little bit more confident with regards to your ability to affect that change at the same time sometimes you start to see as you kind of come up in an organization that things are actually a lot more complicated than you than you perhaps thought right so okay yes if i pull that lever this thing happens but actually i can then see that that person might end up losing their job right and i like working with that person uh, or, or if they're not able to change that, that that it might kind of impact that sometimes these things happen right as organizations develop the skill sets that you need within those organizations can change right so you also start to see that things become a lot more impactful when you do pull those kind of levers so this is kind of paradox the responsibility goes up but also you know there's that, that with great power comes great responsibility in the words of spider-man so that kind of like dissonance between those two kind of things has been definitely been times when i've been i've, I've taken it on myself to make change and, I, and what i've realized is subsequently i've learned that you can't make change without working with other people or in, in which case you accept like a long-term change cycle right like you kind of you basically it's like a nudge thing you don't go from here to here right or probably here to here right like in in these little like in one big leap instead it's just like a constant process of pushing and over time you do that and that requires a lot of people to all be pushing together or you go the other way which is just to be completely unreasonable right and just go you know, this is terrible. This has to change. If this doesn't move, I'm leaving. Or if I'm, if this doesn't move, these people are leaving or whatever it may be. And you just go f and you fully bet the house, so bet the house on it. And, and I think that approach can also be effective, but I've kind of found myself caught between those two sometimes. And, and that's where the meaning has been drawn out of it for me mm -hmm. because I've kind of felt to myself, I, I feel in my bones that something needs to change and I haven't been able to affect it. And, uh, but that's always been a learning exercise for me. Like ultimately, like being able to change things now is a is a is a function of having failed to make change in the past right because you learn what what works and what doesn't work so like sometimes i feel those things very strongly like again the need for change can be can be really you can get really passionate about it right and you can also start to evangelize for a future state that you want to achieve and really believe that you can get there and and if and if you're feeling these kind of barriers or you're just feeling that, that you can't you know, you're so close to the ability to make these changes, but you just can't quite get there. That can be really, really frustrating as an experience. So 
uh, I think that process of learning is is on that point specifically on organizational change and and, and, and individual motivation is just a net that's something that will never stop happening during the course of a career you're never gonna get to the stage where you're just like yeah I've totally cracked it that's one of those things that just the, the more you the more you learn about it the more complicated it becomes yeah yeah I just I, I, I you know I just want to I don't want to talk about you know on the show just about positive things I want to talk about the negative sides of mm-hmm. you know being in a position such as yourself or, or just anyone who's in their career, what they, they might experience. So, cause it's very important to also realize these things early. And I think if you realize that you will face a point in your life where you think that you go like, what the hell am I doing? I think if you, you do accept that from now, especially for uh, young people who are just starting their career, you know, just the first year, I think that when you reach that point, it might be uh, an easier impact. You will, you will be impacted. I just say it will be easier to to accept that um, if you know in advance that you're gonna get that punch in the face. You know. Um, yeah. Well, look, okay. a lot of a lot of people that I know that have been that have been very successful, right? So they're kind of, um, uh, you know, they're at the top of their professions or they've cl- they've climbed to the top of the mountain and you know whatever it may be, right? Those are people who very early on in their careers recognize that they had worth. And, and, and that might sound like a really obvious thing to say, mm. but very often when I encounter sort of young and junior people, right, you can see the possibility in them, but they've almost convinced themselves that, you know, they have to sort of follow a particular path or they have to do it like they have to get on a particular grind and kind of prove their worth somehow. And of course that can be the case. Like there are some things where you just have to, you know, it can be as problematic if someone just comes in and starts calling the shots without having any experience, right? They, they you know, they, they sort of, uh, mug themselves off but but ultimately once you have some experience under your belt you are you're valuable within your profession right and if you as long as you're staying humble about it you you can still be very cognizant of your worth and 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 take action if you're put in a corner like ultimately i've, I've said this i've been this, in this position myself early on in my career in law firms where you always feel like you're 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 meeting somebody else's goals right or you're kind of um you know someone's asking you to do something and you can definitely see how it works for them, but not so sure about how it works for you. Right. And there were peers of mine at the time who were much more prepared to be, do you know what? Let me just think about that opportunity before I take it rather than just being like, yes, absolutely. I want to do it. And I think, and I think uh, you've always got options. Even when you feel like you haven't got options. In fact, I was talking to a guy yesterday, long, long friend, long standing friend of mine who just feels really kind of cornered at the moment. And we were just sort of game planning around how he might address that. And it's just like, there'll be people that you've connected with. If you're very, like, if you're very early on in your career, even people from school or people from uni or college or whatever, who may be able to help out. There might even be friends of your parents or like friends of friends. It's amazing like we're all now super connected to people through you know even through linkedin those kind of things you can there's always someone you can reach out to and if you ask the question it's i'd say nine times out of ten they're going to answer so even if it's just like look this is where i am this is what i'm doing this is what i need is there anybody you know that can help like reaching out to even at that level may get some things moving but but be conscious of your worth and be prepared to, to 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 assess it honestly because when you do that and you take action to make change then that that even puts you know taking action the act of doing something about it is going to make you feel a lot happier about yourself than just kind of sitting there and Mm -hmm. you know feeling grumpy about it i think this is like one thing in in covid 
a lot of the dissonance around COVID is from people kind of realizing perhaps that once you strip away the office experience, the kind of team experience, maybe actually your job is not as fulfilling as you thought that it was, right? It's almost like a theater to it. And once the theater, you, you've moved out of the big opera house or whatever it is, and you're just doing it like, you know, dogma style in your front room. It's all, all that sort of like drama is stripped away. Okay, now actually maybe this isn't what I thought it was. And that's where, you know, people focus on creative activities. They start to do this other stuff. And hopefully that sort of stuff will come up in people's estimations and a reminder of, of, of how important that sort of stuff is in your life and actually sometimes there's other stuff a little bit less so but yeah everybody undersells themselves and I think expressing your worth confidently I think is uh is a good move that's great that's great um that's it's a lot of a lot of stuff to take in there um honestly and a lot of stuff but I, I'm glad we talked about it because I you know I really want to get that message out there for for young people, especially to, to know that underselling yourself is, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a dangerous game. Let's put it that way. Uh, you know, we can talk about it for hours. Um, I want to, I want to move on. And I think, I think, you know, being very conscious, we haven't even reached to the meat of the show. This is, this is just the appetizer um, uh, is, you know, you, you have a cycling passion. I do. Uh, and, 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 and when you responded to the pre-show questions, hmm. you, you responded with something that is very, very interesting. You said, you said that um, you basically don't do anything apart from eat, sleep, walk your dog and cycle. And, and I just, I found that super profound because, you know, I would, I would obviously argue that, that you do many other things, you know, uh, in your life. That's what kind of leading in my, my question is, do you think that's a bit unfair to your brain to focus on one passion, you know, rather focus on, you know, on, 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 you know, obviously focus on your passion, but also have other branches that are leading out to things that you, you might be good at as well, but not giving your brain the chance to explore. And that's kind of something that we touched on, you know, offline a bit, um, and I, I just think that every, and I, the way I, the reason I say that is that everybody owes it to themselves to, to kind of understand that, um, you know, you're not only good at, at one thing, you can give a lot of focus to one thing. Uh, but, you know, we're talking about your passion here. I'm not talking about legal. Hmm. Uh, I'm talking about the cycling passion. So have you, have you, don't you think that's a bit unfair to your brain? Um, I suppose what you, I suppose what the element that's missing here is how much, of an incredibly nosy and annoying person I am in each of these spaces, right? So I think about, uh, and I basically have spent my career going around places and just going, uh, are we sure we're doing this right? Right? And then someone just going, well, if you think that, if you think so strongly about it, maybe you should fix it. And the me just going, all right. <laughs> so if I think about in, in Flash, for example, like I started out as legal counsel and I was general counsel quite quickly afterwards and then I went, you know, I looked after IT for a bit. I looked after HR for a bit. Obviously, I, I ended up looking after strategy. And so a lot of it is about not being constrained by the role that you're in. So even if you're, okay, I, I like to, and this is another uh, thing that I think people sort of sometimes forget is people look for jobs very often where they think, okay, I could fit myself to do that job, right? And actually, it's completely the other way around. Yeah, It's like, okay you can get into a job and you've just got to get your feet under the carpet and obviously don't go around like 
doing the big I am all the time. Like, oh, that sort of thing. Again, when he talks about being confident about your worth, humbly confident is the is the approach, right? But but ultimately, you can get in there, and once you've shown people that you're prepared to get involved in in their world, understand their needs, and sort of address those needs and and make it work, right? And help people out. Like again, I remember talking to a coach uh, a few years ago, and he was talking about having a having a like an approach of service, right? Service to yourself, service to your family, service to your career, right? So what are you, what's like, how are you going to do things that help the needs of others, right? And then give meaning to your life. And that can apply within a professional context and actually you can end up in a quite interesting space if you're prepared to go, look, this is this might be my like strict job description, but actually I'm interested in what's happening over there. I'm going to go over there and say I'm really interested in what, what, what you do. Can you tell me a little bit more about it? And and you know I've observed this. Can we talk about it and kind of go from there? Again, in the past I've done that perhaps a bit too bullishly. Like I've gone in and just gone, this needs to change. That dude doesn't know what he's doing. Let's <laughs> do that. And that's that's not the way to go. Just everyone. But but I think approaching things humbly and being interested. And, and and going kind of going from there you know again like these games that you know when i when i started in uh in fanatic right i played like the other day on the other day last week last week anyway recently i hadn't ever played fortnite right like uh and obviously it got pulled from the uh from ios and android stores recently because of the uh, whole disputes going on there and so I sort of I downloaded it onto onto my Xbox and I and I was playing it and uh, because I I was in this we we'd signed a new talent and I w- needed to be in the game to play against this particular talent right and this is someone who is this is like basically doing like backyard football with Lionel Messi right <laughs> when you've hardly ever kicked a ball and and again that kind of experience of okay so I need to know about this right so so the answer is. It's pointless to me going in and saying, okay, I've played loads of SPS, like I played Doom back in the day. I love love the Doom series, Doom Eternal, what a game, love playing that, like all these kind of things. So I know my way around a controller. I know my looking version settings, like all that sort of thing. But I just have no idea what's doing this game. So just please tell me everything about it. And since then I've played it and enjoyed it. But that's that's the point. You 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 like to find out about these kind of things, you've got to go in with an open mind of 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 adventure, right? And and within that context. You can you can turn your very sort of thin job description into something that actually works for you. So yes, I do uh, eat, sleep, cycle, repeat, whatever it is, all the time. But equally, I'm, I've been able to take my job and 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 mould it into something which is really engaging and and brain straining um, and kind of collaborative. And again, I think for me now we're talking about learnings and these kind of things i know that i have to work in collaborative environments i have to work with other people who are kind of similarly minded and just go come to me and say i you know i've noticed that this is happening is there anything i can do to help about it and then we kind of work up a great solution together like that's a that's a super powerful thing as well in terms of driving meaning because you you gain that accountability to somebody else as well when you have that shared input in something then you it feels so much more meaningful when you then go ahead and succeed together or you fail together and you and you learn from it and you can say oh geez last time we did that like this is what happened let's not do that again you've then that's it's like a double win you've got a double learning for you guys so i think yeah molding the job that you have into something which really gets you out of bed every day and i used to say to the, the guys uh in, in the team you know if you get out of bed and you don't want to do this anymore then just come and tell me and we'll work something out 
right? Then I never want there to be a situation where you're getting out of bed and you're making that balance up between like, okay, I'm getting my salary and all that sort of stuff. That's wonderful. But this is just not engaging me at all. Like I don't feel like anything good is coming out of this. If that is the wrong balance and you're just sort of saying, I'm doing this for the money or I'm doing this because I don't have any other options. Like that is the time yeah. to go to somebody you trust and have a open conversation about it. You don't just like stuff that down into the lowest recesses of your mind and just kind of go, oh, you know, it's going to be okay. I, you, you owe it to yourself. Again, think about that idea of service to yourself first before you help other people. You owe it to yourself to 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 make that change if you get into that space. So the short answer is yes, it's unfair to your brain. Correct. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Okay. I, I could just oh, if we need to like speed things up. <laughs> I think there's going to be a part two for this one. Um, okay. Um, I, I love asking this question before we actually get into the 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 um, the really the, the focused this topics. Is, this is like one of those Syrian meals, right? Where they just keep on bringing stuff out, and then it's like you've gone through the meat, and then somebody brings out like a salt baked cod or something. You're just like, oh my yeah, god! And yeah. literally had no idea all this was coming. <laughs> yeah, this is we're not to the mashawi yet. You know, we're still we're still we're still at the mesa. Um, um, what, what do you think the la uh, is the lasting thing people will take away from this show after watching? Um, I have no I, honestly. God bless you for asking that question. I've got no idea. <laughs> I've got no idea. So it's fine. It's a movable feast. You can take what you want. It's like a it's like a Crown Plaza buffet. Ali, maybe you want it. Maybe you want to get a, an omelet with a bit of chili. Maybe you want to just eat some of those muffins that are like super dry. Maybe you just want a cup of coffee to go. Like all those options are available to you, listeners. Take take what you will. That is a great answer. I have never thought that you know. You know that the that the show would have been compared to a buffet. That is that is that is pure and absolute gold. Okay, so I wanna I wanna say I wanna cue this in and say this is uh, in a way technically part two, which is the actual kind of uh, uh, meat of all of everything. And um, you know we're gonna talk about a bit about esports and 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 fanatic and beyond. You know everything that you've been going through. And um, I wanna start off with this. You you mentioned in your podcast uh, the that you did with uh, law and sport mm. um the interview that you did was you, you you in the landscape that you're in right now you kind of defer to the younger you know there's people that are uh, working with you who are younger and they, they kind of have their uh, uh so to speak ear to the ground in in in, in you know esports and you know we've we've worked together countless times you know in mm. in, in your your previous role uh, i'm 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 younger than than you uh, and there's other people that are also were, were younger than you there and you've worked with. So I know what type of person you are, you know, Andrew, I guess, I guess the selling point is not more to you. I know that you, uh, you have that switch that you make that you have to understand that maybe some people you work with that are younger than you, but um, how do you think maybe you've seen it in your job or how do you think others feel about that? Like evidently, you know, how do they, they how do they have to adapt to, the younger people in, in the esports landscape, which arguably are the ones that are, you know, they know what maybe the viewers want, what the gamers want and all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, the hardest, the people who find this hardest, I think, are like senior marketing personnel in, in massive brands um, mm. uh, and rights holders and those kind of people. So basically people who have, who have built their marketing careers in pre-esports 
environments, right? And, and those people very often have got to those kind of places mainly by, uh, I would say, expressing an understanding of what it takes to reach the consumer. And here's a, and here's a group of consumers that are not necessarily interested in all of the traditional ways you would reach a consumer, right? So they use ad blockers, they, they don't watch Netflix, they watch YouTube, right? Like all those kind of things. And I mean, when I was, when I was born, there were three channels in the UK, right? So it is a supply environment. If you don't like what's on one of those three channels, then you turn off the telly, right? Then Netflix comes along. And for, again, for my generation, Netflix seems like it's just an incredible world of content. But for your generation, Netflix is it pales in comparison with YouTube, right? Where you can watch whatever you want, whenever you want. And then, of course, the Twitch generation is like, okay, not only can I watch what I want whenever I want, just you know, 5.4 billion watched hours on Twitch Q, Q3 this year. I can engage. I can interact. Engage, I can engage. Yeah. Right. Exactly. I'm engaged. I can there's raid. A, there's a, there's, exactly. There's a community here. I can just like spam hot dogs in the chat. I can literally just do keck face all day and various things, right? I can support creators that I like. I can, you know, I, I, I can even be invited into the community by people who are in it by sharing subs on, on Twitch, right? So all these great things. And also as a content ecosystem around that, so I can deepen my relationship with this community or this with, with this creator by buying their merch, by buying their partner products, like all that kind of stuff. It's a very involved and engaging kind of thing. If you're a, a senior marketing person, that is a scary thing, right? Because like engaging with that kind of thing, there's all these risks. Like one of these people might just go off on one, or, you know, they might secretly be super into white nationalism. You don't really know unless you're kind of watching it all, right? It's happened. You know, we have a, you know, we have a streamer affiliate network called Fanatic Network. And um, people have popped off a streamer down in Brazil a couple of weeks ago, decided to air out his views on trans rights, right? And it happens live, right? This is like, this is like streaming now and it pops up on Twitter. And actually that ended up being resolved quite satisfactorily in the sense of he then, he invited, he, he recognized that. So when he got the blowback from the community and the community, it's a very hot topic in Brazil. Uh, he, he sort of accepted that this was a blind spot in his understanding of the issue. And he invited people to come and educate him. And that was then able to sort of like, you can see how that reflected nicely back into his community because he was able to bring people from his community with him on a journey of learning. That kind of thing can only happen on Twitch. So when you start, speak to a CMO and they start saying, oh yeah, but what happens if this, ha if this happens, right? You just got to go, well, that is part, this is all part of the learning process. That, 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 that is the authenticity of this, this kind of creator driven content all over a huge risk arises. And that kind of thing definitely is a risk. If you've got like a big brand sitting behind it. I mean, we have BMW as a partner. BMW is a what, 45 billion euro market cap co company, something of that kind of nature, right? Like people who make decisions in that kind of business have not get there, have not got there by allowing some esports team to do something insane that damages their their brand like they're very very careful about it and, and those um, you know those guys are really understand these sports the way, the way in which they've sponsored it has been very smart but i think you know that's really difficult so i think again we talked earlier on about that idea of you get closer to the lever of power but you start to see the mm. you start to see all these kind of consequences of you pulling the lever i think it's it's that kind of thing the answer there is actually to engage with the people who are really on the front line. Cause this, again, this is something that I really found when I was at uh, flash, 
So often people at the lower levels really see very clearly what's going on with businesses, right? Like actually they see it in simpler terms because they don't have the complexity of like, okay, if I pull that lever, Jim loses his job. Maybe they might think, well, Jim maybe should lose his job because he's not really good at his job. He's not you know, part of it anymore. Like people have very strong views about that kind of thing. So actually, I think again, working in, I mean, I'm not working in GE or like the, I don't know, the Red Army or whatever. There's not like millions of people who work for us so I can kind of get that view. But I think being, again, one of the great things about esports is it does cause people like me to have to do that. You've just got to respect the people who are so much closer to it. Like it's your sport, it's your era's sport. It's 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 digital, it's cross community, it's cross platform, it's cross geography, like all these kind of features. Um, sometimes you've got to really sort of address your own i say privilege that's that's i'm not I, I don't mean that what i mean is 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 restructure the way in which you look at the world in order to and how things ought to be done in order to adapt to this kind of disruption and there's a lot of people who can't because ultimately the, the reason why they can't is because their job depend depends on them not accepting that that new reality like if you're a cmo and you just go Do you know what this thing's coming up i know absolutely nothing about it maybe for, for some people they feel threatened that the board or whoever it is is going to go okay well why are you our cmo then let's get somebody in who's 10 years younger than you who understands this a lot more uh, a lot more uh you know it, natively yeah uh it's a it's a very difficult i think place to mm. navigate uh people people um uh, you know, especially if you have a big brand and, and you're the CMO of that brand, you need to very, you need to tread uh, this industry and this uh, landscape very, very carefully because, uh, you know, I would, I would, um, I would say like, if I were speaking on their behalf, like, you know, I, God knows, I can't imagine the pressure that they go through to kind of accept certain things or to kind of, you know, so it all comes down to giving a little bit, but also kind of, shaping the right path so that the brand is not you know maybe tainted or you know there's it's it has a something you, ha you have to work together i would say uh I, I but, back, but i guess you, like, you, like you're you're somebody who's very kind of connected into certain parts of digital culture right we were talking about your t-shirt and these kind of like uh, in-game in -game, uh, like these are these are sort of like it's like a cultural approach for um that's very focused on on very specific types of content, right? And, and that kind of content, if you see it represented in more, let's say more mainstream media, I'm sure there's been many times when you've looked at how mainstream media has picked something up and it's almost been like frustrating that your community is being misrepresented in some way or, 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 or that kind of thing, or it's just people don't get it. Perhaps they're using like a meme in the wrong format or whatever it may be. Like that sort of stuff is super, also super disengaging for people who come out of the digital culture, right? So like the first way to get it wrong, if you're going to start doing that sort of brand-related stuff, is to is to not use the the insights and know-how and like deep kind of viewpoints that that you guys have. Uh, by which I mean people of your generation, people people who are who are steeped in the culture, who have come up with it. It must be super frustrating to see that kind of thing being mis sort of misused. Yeah, I mean. You know I, that that's a very interesting way because you've actually flipped it on on me now and and. and and, you know, the, you know, if I basically a simple example of seeing how meme being used wrongly, it's 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 interesting because in the current situation right now, it's like, oh, we're all part of the digital culture. That person's using the meme wrong. I'm gonna get mad at that. It's 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 apparent. You know, it's actually it's apparent, 
And I mean, I'm a bit more kind of moderate on that. I, you know, that's fine. It's being used strongly. That's fine. But you just, you, you think about it that, yes, it's apparent. And, and if you were a CMO and you want to get in with the trend, you know, I would say you really need to um, have someone on that level, maybe make you see things in different, you know, out, you know, outside the box, different kind of approach, but still have somebody that can still moderate the, you know, still moderate it. I mean, you know me, I'm a bit diplomatic in these things. I'd like to always have a moderate play if we're talking about like a brand like BMW or so just, you know, make sure you, you kind of balance it and, and employ it in the way that is good for their brand, but also kind of fits because then, then the marriage of these two uh, scenarios, I think has a wider impact to go like, wow, BMW gets me, you know, and you, you, you know, if you're part of that digital culture, you go like, I didn't think that they would, but they did. So good on them. You know, then you, yeah. you build a connection from somebody that's younger who might buy your car in the future. So it's, it's a whole thing, you know, I guess, I guess there. Um, and, and, and you as, as, you know, general counsel at, at Fanatic, your, your, your new role, like, how do you, how do you, I guess you've already kind of answered this, but maybe if you want to be, you know, quick and specific about this one is how do you, you know, you, you've moved from, you know, a corporate experience, a private practice into a more fluid, you know, DIY anomaly type, weird, crazy type experience, like, which is so different from the music industry, which has its roots built. So I wouldn't say rigidly, but I mean, it's like, it's, there is, there is barriers that have been built and, you know, there's a record label, there's a publisher, there's touring, there's all that kind of stuff. How do you navigate this, you know, the new change that you just jump in head first? Yeah, I mean, um, there's a couple, I mean, there's a couple of points we could unpack there. I think, uh, look, you either see that the extent of change or the possibility of change and the, and the, and the, and the extent to which the kind of tectonic plates on the planet are still forming right and sort of turning into Pangea or whatever it is like all that sort of stuff is is still happening and I think you someone wouldn't be doing my job unless they were pretty comfortable with that as a just sort of starting concept right like you've got to be prepared to to get get in there and 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 work and ride the tiger to an extent and um I think uh, but what's interesting about it is actually the parallels between music and esports I think are pretty strong in the sense of again you get a lot of entrepreneurial people who 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 get into it or have gotten into it because it's not you know being an accountant or it's not being uh the job that your parents wanted you to do or whatever it is like you know the gamers you know so when we signed text right I, I met his uh his delightful mum and this is a lady who uh has spent the last 15 years probably saying just put the controller down like you need to get a real job like whatever it is right and now he's sitting there and he's put and he's well if he's not paying a mortgage then he's wasting a lot of money on stuff that aren't a mortgage but he's you know he is making a ass load of money right and you kind of go right uh if i'm him and i then build a career in esports right all of that, like my my view of what's right and wrong from a kind of like a career standpoint or what's like an orthodox way to earn your living just goes out the window. Like anything that an adult or somebody like a careers advisor or like my parents has ever said to me about, you know, you just need to knuckle down and do your homework and put the, put the Xbox down on the PS or whatever, is just, uh, I've proven that to be wrong, 
So therefore my view of what is orthodox and not orthodox and the right way to do things and not the right way to do things just completely changes, right? So it's, it's like hyper entrepreneurialism. And a lot of the people who are involved in esports have that mindset. Again, they were just told many years ago, you know, this whole esports thing, it's just never going to come of anything. You know, you should get a real job. And now they're all millionaires because they own teams, right? So they're very skeptical about orthodoxy. They want to mix things up. And I think there's a lot of those kind of people in music who are perhaps attracted to it because it's a little bit outsider, right? So like in the 70s, that would have been punk. In 80s and 90s, it's like dance music, right? It's a, it's a cultural thing. You've kind of got, uh, and this came a little bit later to the US, but it, with that kind of old EDM bit, but there's the there's the drugs and there's the warehouse parties and there's the, there's the fashion around it and all those sort of things. And it's very, uh, it's very cultural and all that sort of stuff. And if you were in that and you made a successful career out of that, right? Necessarily, it's a bit like the early days of skateboarding. Like the people who, you know, built vans and built Etnies and these kind of big companies now that you see with huge crossover appeal, they were the people who were skateboarding and like breaking into people's houses and skateboarding in their pools in the early 80s. They're outsiders, right? They're doing it because it's not football or doing it because it's not I don't know, baseball or whatever. They're positioning themselves in a cultural context that's outside of the mainstream. And so inevitably, right, that's a kind of like a point of commonality across all these kind of things, but also it drives a certain type of mindset. So you've got to be aware going into the whole scene that it's not all fixed and it's not all settled. And the kind of people that you're going to encounter are likely to be of that mindset, regardless of how much it's being mainstreamed now by people like me coming in, that outsider aesthetic and mindset is still really strong. So, you know, if you go to, I would go to conferences on behalf of Flash, a lot of the people in there still very much fit that kind of mindset like the older guys who are involved in global touring they are outsiders to a man you know what i mean and no, no one's telling them what to do and that's why they're in it like only god can judge them type thing that's their whole vibe so yeah, um yeah. as much as it is fixed i think that's that's part of it but i accept that and we again we also talked before about the importance of adaptability like even in these contexts where you're um you, you know there, there are roles particularly in the middle east i find it's where you have to be adaptable and dynamic building that adapt adaptability and being flexible in how you approach stuff is key to getting on. Yeah, it is. It is. And it, it, it's, uh, when you were talking about the players, actually, it, it kind of leads into my, my next question, because I think, you know, you know, looking at all this hyper entrepreneurial stuff and you just really have to, you know, you have to navigate this. It's very different kind of scenario that you, you find yourself in if you very much of a very different type of industry. I, I I wonder, do you do you do you, uh, play a role in helping, you know, the I'm sure the players navigate this crazy world in terms of the amount of hours that they have to play, the amount of stress that they're under, you know, when it comes to tournaments. Um, maybe it, I don't know if it's managing the money in a way, you know, the, in, the income that's coming in, or is that just solely like a, a manager's, you know, a team manager's role? Or do you play a role in that? Because I, you know, again. They're very, you know, not everyone, most players, you know, most pro players generally, you know, kind of start out young. They need that sort of guidance. Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. And I think it's something that this, the industry needs to do a lot better. I mean, look, if mm -hmm. you think about, about football, um, you know, there's been loads of circumstances in which players have finished their careers and had nothing, right? They just kind of like, you know, they had great lifestyles when they were playing, but they got, maybe they got an injury didn't see it coming, didn't didn't have any insurance, didn't have any plan B. 
you know, the, the sport had just dominated their lives from a very early age. I mean, people have been taking into academies uh, in football now at eight, right? And mm. signing pre-contracts pretty, you know, pretty early, effectively pro terms at 16. People are playing in first teams of Premier League uh, teams at 16, you know. Uh, like, what do you do if you just smash your knee into a million pieces um, on a winter pitch one day? And then, you know, what do you do? So um, there's infrastructure in football from things like they have player unions, right? There are kind of, you know, there are resources that players can tap into if they fall out of that. Those don't exist in esports yet because the, the idea of having an esports career, right, is really only, and I'm talking about career in terms of the pro level, big money, like, you know, big, big cash running through it, right? So Astralis leading team in CSGO, it's also, it's also listed, right? Astralis is paying, this is all public know-how because they have uh, a listing on an exchange in Denmark. Astralis makes about 8 million euros a year in revenue, which is not very much uh, in the context of like a sports team. So a French, like a Ligue 1 team in France, a medium-sized one, like a Nîmes or a Rennes, will be making about 50 million euros, right? So only a really like a fraction of that but their csgo players but on, outside of endorsements and so on are earning three hundred fifty thousand euros right per, per player yeah. yeah that kind of money has only come in the last let's say three years so the idea of somebody basically earning that kind of money is pretty novel and, and no one knows how long the career lasts for because no one's really run their career all the way through yet right so you know, even in again join the parallel with football you've had players who have gone you know, they basically, they play their careers for multiple clubs. Some players kind of just keep on going down the ladder, like they play for worse and worse and worse and worse mm -hmm. clubs, and then eventually they give it up. Some go into coaching, some, I don't know, go and buy a pub like they used to in the old days. Some some end up with media careers, right? So there's all these kind of different things, but all those careers are still being played out, right? So the kind of guys, like pundits you watch when you're watching a match on, on uh, you know, on the TV, uh, so those guys have still not finished their careers, Right, so that, and that's football, which has been around for hundreds of years. Uh, with esports, it's been around in, me in meaningfully, like you know, LEC. Oh, sorry, uh, Riot only franchised LEC, so LEC, LCS, LCK, LP, LPL, all those kind of things in 2018. Right, so League of Legends, which is the most advanced in this, is only really uh, kind of got to that stage in the last three years. Right, so who knows what this, what the career looks like? You know, who knows where it all ends up? But now teams like Fnatic are starting to take this kind of um, concept of looking after players, uh, you know, thinking about nutrition, health, well-being as a factor in performance, thinking about financial management uh, and, and, and advice around what players should be doing with their career and their lives. Uh, additional to that, this is complicated in some places by the legal relationship between the teams and the players. So if it's an employee uh, then it's much easier to manage if it's an independent contractor, which is like a plumber, right? Coming to sort of like you pay them a certain amount of money to come and solve a problem. It becomes a little bit more complicated to give them that kind of assistance uh, and not like create legal problems for yourself. But it's definitely something that we're looking at. And particularly things like even just making sure that if someone's coming to a boot camp, they stay in a place which is safe, mm -hmm. which sounds crazy, but we've heard of teams putting players in accommodation, which like, is like shared accommodation with like random people. These are young mm -hmm. kids, right? Who might have never been to, you know, big cities and those kind of things before. And now they're put in terrible accommodation with people they don't know. Like, 
simple stuff like that needs to be made better and 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 we should all be pushing for it and in fact with regards to fanatic you'll see some moves in that regard um before the turn of the year that's uh that's amazing because because um you know i used to watch a bit of the documentaries earlier mm. when i was in 2013 i was watching a bit of like when the dot when the dota 2 scene was you know it was um that was kind of like when the esports discussion was like okay hold on this is now getting pretty serious yeah you know and and i was seeing like the players yes they they you know they play for eight hours but you know there's there's a, maybe two three hours of workouts that you know to balance that out or even they play even more than eight hours so yeah mm -hmm. it's good and and i what i get from your answer so everyone kind of gets that in summary is better to kind of manage the relationship in-house you know you're taking someone on manage the relationship in-house don't don't leave it to chance to somebody uh, or external contractor. Um, yeah. Uh, you, you said that you, you play PUBG mobile and, and, yes. and obviously the accessibility, you know, nowadays is, is crazy. You know, anyone can pick up a phone and, and start playing and specifically, you know, PUBG has gotten a lot of this backlash and all this bad stuff and, and stuff, but, but you never know, like a, a, a player might, you know, a, a kid might, you know pick up the phone and become a pro player you know pro PUBG player nobody knows about that yet you know but they might be and then suddenly you know somebody finds them they're making millions you know it's a, such a crazy dramatic change but you know uh away a bit away from that how what's the advice would you give to young players if a they want to get into this industry uh b how would they convince their parents and and c at that young age, explain to them that this is actually a very tough industry, contrary to what you think. You're not just sitting down and, uh, you know, there's some millions coming in. You know, you really need to, uh, you need to make the work for it. And, and I would, you know, want to package that for, for like a, you know, somebody that is just starting out, you know, with their career. Uh, that's a really, it's. A, I understand. I understand why you asked the question, but it's a tough question to answer because. Ultimately, the um, you know, I think you know in your in your bones whether or not you've got the juice to make it right. Like ultimately, there are people who would aspire to be great at esports, but the people who are really good at it are have a level of dedication to esports, just like football. Like again, or or, or anything. Like I said. Ping pong was the was the example I gave before, but if you want to be really good at it, and particularly in a mobile game, because you're right, mobile gaming is democratizing the world of esports. Like the fact that we all now have, well, I say not all, but fifty percent of the planet has got a smartphone in their pocket, and fifty percent of those people use it to play games. And of course, that's everything from like Candy Crush through to something sophisticated like PUBG. But the, you know. It's it's creating a whole new world of competitive play, and particularly in Asia. So you know our PUBG mobile team is in India, right? Those guys were just completely off the map from a sort of competitive esports perspective, and now they're on it, and they're and they're producing great players. And and again, from a viewership standpoint, it's a great product, right? Like I think PUBG as a sort of tactical shooter squad game has got advantages over Fortnite. I think I think the the mobile product works brilliantly. And again, you know, that scene is super competitive and you're starting now to see 
like celebrities in India attach themselves to that whole uh, ecosystem. You're also seeing that going across Asia. And of course, it's all backed by Tencent. So there's, you know, they, they know what they're doing um, in a sort of like a digital ecosystem management standpoint. So I love that aspect about mobile esports. It's definitely the future of esports. Um, how you're going to uh, actually make that career happen? Well, only you, only you know the answer to that and you only know how supportive your, your folks are going to be. I mean, I see a lot of, you know, when we're sitting down with, players quite often they're represented by their parents i think that's a bad idea um so you know because we've already seen uh you know let's say circumstances where mum and dad aren't together anymore and there's a player that's now starting to see some money and, and they're both trying to represent mm. the player like those kind of things can be super complicated so um yeah ultimately only you know if you can make it and only you know if you if you're parents are going to be behind it. But if you want to go ahead and do it, you're going to have to have that conversation pretty early because it's going to dedicate, you know, you're going to have to get to dedicate a lot of time to your play. That's a great answer. I think uh, I, I just really want to kind of have some of this, the basis for, you know, people that are, you know, getting into this because, you know, um, I, I draw this parallels, for example, for me, when I started out working or something, yeah. nobody would show me around. So I just want somebody to, if they were in the same position to maybe they watch this show and then you give that advice to say, okay, at least I have some sort of a guideline on where I would like to you know, go with this. Um, and, and here's, I kind of want to uh, bring the show almost to its, to its uh, close. There's, there's still a few more things we need to get through. But this is my final kind of question on the on the esports side is, it's very much on the uh, and I learned this term very recently. I always thought of it in my head, but you know, uh, shout out to to um, uh, a person who joined our live stream, you know, uh, a while back, uh, Azel, and she talked about the fast web, and I, I very much you know kind of wanted to ask you about it. Is you know very much the esports world is is part of the fast web movement. Um, you know, people are consuming, you know, we talked about it with Twitch, um, uh, you know, the mobile experience, you know, how much you have to dedicate time to, to playing the game, all that kind of stuff. And the way that people are consuming media now, um, you know, how do you think, for example, your parents or even the players themselves can build a balance with the, with the slow web movement, you know, because because the you know because you as a player especially, um, maybe again this is my moderate side talking, but it may be not great for you to just always be in that fast lane. You need to have some of the some of the some of the lower type things. You know, reading a book. You know, enjoying the outdoors. Um, you know, uh, really just doing something active, not always being in front of a screen. It's great. You know, if you're very digitally in tune and you you are tuned to that that world i just think do you do you you know don't you think that there should be a balance with the slow web kind of experience in a way yeah i've got i've got mixed views about that kind of thing because i think like first of all i don't ascribe to the idea that that there's sort of like a strict hierarchy with regard to the quality of the culture that you consume necessarily right like i don't want to be stuckest about it it's not like i'm you know, because this has happened before in art, right? Where you kind of have, okay, traditionalist painters versus modern art and all, and that whole bit. Like ultimately, if you're out there and you're consuming culture and it's and it's pr prompting something in you, which is which is, you know, uh, which is prompting an emotional reaction in you, 
right? Good or bad, it's, it's thought provoking. Uh, that's a good thing. I think what, what I would say is, I think mindlessly consuming content is not good for anybody. And that's where the context comes in, right? So if you're, again, if you're just sitting there and just vegging and it's not producing anything, mm -hmm. it, you know, it, it, it's not provoking a reaction in you of any kind. It's just, you know, it's like mashed potato. Do you know what I mean? It's just kind of filler. Then that's that's not good. And and, and again, we've, we've talked, we sort of touched on the theme a couple of times on it's important of not being comfortable or the importance of not being comfortable, right? So, if you're in a place of comfort, culturally, you're in a place of comfort, uh, work-wise, you need to do something to ch change that, I would say. Like, if you're going to really find out what it is that you've got, if you're going to stretch yourself into interesting places, and, and definitely you will screw things up and that's okay. If you're going to do all that sort of stuff and really, you know, look back and say, I, you know, I, that was something that I really developed, like I really went through that. Um, uh, then you're not going to do that just by consuming one type of culture or, or or staying in one kind of space like you've got to you've got to stretch so i think the answer there is not just okay i'm going to watch a different twitch streamer it's like okay what am i gonna what am i gonna do to it's a just you know find myself in a different place and it's a bit like it's like um you know the 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 Facebook algorithm or, or like the Twitter people that you follow, right? If you, if you're looking at your social media feed and it's just all people from the same kind of, you know, from the same background as you or whatever it may be. Like I, I read a lot about American politics and, you know, my politics are in the traditional kind of sphere, a little bit more left than they are. Right. I'm really more, like I, I really found myself, let's say lead up to Brexit in the UK and all those kind of things, you, you realize that you're only hearing one perspective, right? It's a bit like that. You don't let the algorithm determine what the culture is that you consume, like go out there and mm. find things that are, that are interesting. And again, just with my own kids, just lobbing ideas about things that they might like, like books that I've read and I loved when I was younger, um, those kind of things, and just making sure that they read them and engage with them on it. Like this is something that's fun. So again, I suppose if, if you are somebody that sees the benefit of that, but you see friends of yours who are just only really consuming one type of media or are kind of stuck in one kind of space, as a friend to one of those people, you can say, you know, I think I, I love this and maybe you might love it too and, and, and engage for people on it and draw them out of themselves. I think that's also a really powerful thing that we can all do for each other, right? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I, I, um, I find that very, very interesting, and it's a great uh, answer the way that you, you put it. Um, I think we do 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 a service to others if we can just uh, ask them to take a more, um, you know, to see a different perspective. Although I want to say and, and challenge this again uh, here and say that you know that's quite quite difficult to get people out of that that space, and you more or less, which more or less happens, I think maybe most of the time is you probably have to end up doing it. And then somebody will say, oh, I didn't know he's into that. And then they kind of feel intrigued. You kind of have to mm -hmm. get somebody intrigued into that. So that's why I'm challenging your answer and my question and by saying that, you know, but, pa but passion, about, passion about something can be intriguing, right? Like, again, if, if you go, if you, yeah, you know, this, if you talk to somebody who's really, really super into something, right, then that, that can intrigue you as well. Like, I'm, like, of course, there are people who are just, like culturally deadened right, by that process of just kind of having gone through, you know, just constant filler, right? And you, and you almost forget what the highs and lows are because you're just in this middle band of comfortable mm -hmm. viewing. So I could watch that and just think that is abysmal. Like, 
a colleague of mine recommended a film to me the other day. I watched it. It was just awful. But but it, but at least it provoked something, right? And I went back to him. I was just like, dude, that was horrendous. He was like, yeah. But we had a conversation about it. Mm-hmm. I think that kind of, I I think the answer there is to express express your own passion. So even if you go, so I gave um, my eldest daughter a book called The Wasp Factory by Ian Banks. This is a, a book that I read when I was young, and it's kind of, it's 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 a it's a bit it's a bit of a punk book. Like it's pretty it's pretty gothic, and it but but it's but it's great. Um, and a really interesting, like it's it, it goes to some dark places, but I just thought this is you know this is this is time for her to read this kind of thing, and I was so passionate about because she's a voracious reader. I was so passionate about this book. We're now talking about it, and she's just I just said, look, read the first chapter, and we'll have a chat about it. So I don't need you to consume the entire book and just think this is okay. Why did I do that? Just give someone a jumping off point. You know what I mean? Like get into like I love this band. Just just I'll say here's a. Just here's a Spotify link to a tune they just put out. Like, just listen to it. Let me know what you think. You know, yeah. I think that you don't have to go, okay, here's the entire, you know, oeuvre of this band that you now need to consume to have a view on it, right? Even just listen to this first 10 seconds on my phone, whatever it may be, to just get somebody engaged. I really think that that sort of passion. And again, we talked about being of service, right? Like, how can I help you come out of this space of just cultural, being culturally deadened? I'm not going to do it just by going, here's a book yeah. right just got like again whatever whatever it takes to get someone out there come out like come you know come walk come walk with me we're going let's go and get a coffee whatever it is uh, to to draw the you know to talk about the other areas that you were talking about in terms of stimulating someone to take action you know i i think our you know that 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 consumable entertainment culture can also extend to how we interact with each other right so like the kind of Again, I just go, okay, just here's, here's a link and it's just, there's no passion in it. But you've got to bring back that passion if you want mm. to get somebody engaged in something. That's that's pretty important, yeah. I think. Yeah. It's it's a very difficult topic, um, I'm, mm. you know, for sure, uh, that you give somebody just a piece of the puzzle and sometimes it's a hit or miss, you know, you never know. Uh, it's you never hap- know. It happens, you know, it happens. Well, we all have these, these our personas are, not, are very often bound up with the communities that we live in, right? And I think one of the challenges for society at large is to get people out of these uh, about of communities that are not good for them in a sense right like again i don't want to be too judgmental accepting that people get different draw different things and people and everybody's looking for meaning in community so if you're in a you know a a sort of you know reddit is always the one that gets the beating but if you're in one of those communities where it's very self-referential and it's you know uh, but you feel part of it then okay, you're going to have to work with that and engage in that person to try different types of culture. You can't just go, oh, you shouldn't deal with those guys. They're all sort of like horrendous racists, whatever it is. If you feel part of that community and the those the way in which people talk to each other and so on, again, this is a challenge in gaming, right? The kind of terms that people use in Discord and on Reddit are not the ones that are used in quote unquote, like polite society all the time. But ultimately, that's something you've got to work with. Rather than just going, oh, no, you shouldn't do that. That's for That's for like kids or whatever it just that's not helpful yeah yeah well we can talk on this for days uh for sure um you asked me you asked me a a a question uh, andrew you said um when i asked you if there's any topics that you wanted to discuss and you responded by saying was there something that i've always wanted to ask but never did Mm. um well a, I always wanted to ask how lawyers cope with the stress that comes with working on a contract. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but and and B, I mean to be very honest, uh, why don't you tell me what you want to talk about? So I'm gonna 
I'm gonna let you ask me a question right now, and you take the reins. And and before we get into the uh, closing closing questions, well, you flipped on me. How do lawyers how do lawyers cope with the stress? Let's deal with that one first. Uh, not all of them. Well, not all of them do. I mean, it's like project managers, right? They tend to be two ends of a spectrum. They're either insanely chill, right, or they're insanely stressed. There doesn't seem to be very much in between. So like, you're either like on top of absolutely every detail, or you just like. Do you know what? Whatever be would be. If something comes up, I'll deal with it. Like, you tend to be one of those two. And I think that's also true of lawyers. You get a lot of, um, I'm just trying to think of the term. Um, tactically, law firms have historically uh, uh, hired what are called insecure overachievers, right? That is, that's sort of like a term of art, right? Which is basically people who don't know that they're good at doing stuff, but want to prove to people that they're good at doing stuff, right? So they lack self, there's, there's a certain lack of self-confidence, but they're just looking for that little crumb of kind of like, oh, you know, well then you did a good, good job on that. And that's enough to kind of, kind of go to the next thing, right? Which is pretty dark when you think about it, right? Because what you're basically saying is, I just want people who are just going to bury themselves and do absolutely everything. And, and ultimately, all I have to do is kind of just like sprinkle a little bit of thanks on them occasionally, and they'll just keep on doing it. Like that is awful. And, you know, law firms are sausage, I don't know, you know sausage factories in the sense of you know, just more meat for the grinder and, you know, what sort of thing. I think that some of them are changing a little bit, but, you know, not all uh, of them are. So, so, what does that mean for stress? Well, that also, you know, it goes back to that question of valuing yourself and so on. There are still people and, you know, I've, I've been in this position myself occasionally where actually the stress is defined by your expectations that you're placing on yourself or you're accepting other people's stress onto your own shoulders because, you know, whatever reason you feel like you've got to solve the problem, you're responsible for dealing with it. And actually, I find it much easier to accept that I, my client's problems aren't always my problems, like I am not there to solve things which are unsolvable. I work within the confines that I can work within. And, and occasionally I'm able to reach out across those kind of confines, work with people and come together. So this is the idea of collaboration, which we touched on earlier on, this idea of service, like all those things come together. Um, I, I, I find the, the, the worst stresses come from things like stresses that I place myself into, right? So I'm always kind of conscious to try and not do that. I don't know if that answers the question. On um, on uh, asking you a question, we talked a little bit about your your impending move to Canada, and we talked about your um, sort of career development. Right, so you talked about okay, you went to school, you go to uni, you come to Flash, you step out of Flash, you go back into Flash. Now you're kind of going over to Canada. It, it's it struck me as you've been occasionally in your career someone who's kind of sought meaning or look for a particular kind of way to be presented to itself you've 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 opened up these 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 sort of uh, I, i'm not being dismissive when i call them side hustles things that are not your job like, but but are ultimately creatively empowering for you like what drives your motivation to this kind of stuff is it have you thought about that have you sort of drawn it down to this is my put like, this is the purpose of me doing these kind of things or is it just being pretty ad hoc like how much how much thought have you put into the shaping of what it is that you do or do you just do things when they come up and they feel like a good thing to do is there a big tactical refi grand plan or not the refi grand plan um i was late to the party let's put it that way um mm. i you know i was uh, 
for 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 a long time you know i was very much obviously focused with you know focused on building my career focusing on on building myself and and get, you know how you spoke about that earlier in the show is you know put your head down do the work that kind of stuff mm. which i still you know i still do and everything like that but for a long time i was trying to search for you know uh something that i thought that i had to find elsewhere or within somebody else or a business that were had to be built i i was late to my own party which was the fact that you know i found out in you know kind of 2017 that that i did have this um, ability to do you know to do voiceover to be able to uh, find you know a passion within me uh, it was it was you know was there through doing some you know kind of side work here and there because people were saying oh your voice is good you can do that kind of stuff but you know i was kind of late in realizing that you know i could have i could have been um you know the person that could use this to empower myself and you know i i've through knowing that i've uh, begun this uh, kind of uh, movement within myself and for others to tell them that anyone can be a voiceover artist you know people mm -hmm. come and say you know my voice is so bad it's so i can't hear myself speak I can't believe that's me in a voice note and stuff. And I try to tell them that, um, you know, you, you, you know, to have a voice, to be able to speak, you know, is, I think is just as amazing as, um, as having eyes to see or, or, or the fact that the fact that you are existing right now and, and, you know, obviously we have, we have things in us and we don't realize them until very late. And, and I, I think for me, the grand plan, so to speak, kind of started quite late, but, but, um, being able to, I, I realized that still, which in retrospect, isn't that quite late, but in a way is, 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 is there has allowed me to also take the initiative to kind of build other things, which is, you know, obviously the, the, the podcast and build my, you know, my, my plan in my head for whenever, you know, whenever, you know, uh, things will happen or I put the time in because honestly I haven't is to build, you know, the, 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 the voiceover, the voice, the type of thing that I've been looking for in, in, in the way that I, uh, I want. And, you know, obviously the show I've mentioned that to you takes a lot of my time as well to build. So, you know, the grand plan is to kind of just keep, you know, keep building on, building on these things that I've realized. And, you know, I, I've said it now that I have been late, but again, um, it's better late than never. As I always say, it's better mm -hmm. to, you know, better to, you know, have, have, have found it even at any, what age, whatever age that is. And, um, you know, I'm very much that person who wants to build the strands and create, you know, the different, different, uh, lines and redefine myself, re, reevaluate and and also uh, very much i'm a person in pursuit of uh, knowledge so i am for you know you know learning uh, going back to school keep, or, you know studying again and keeping my my brain um active which is which is you know can get very difficult the older you get so um 
I say that, you know, take that with a pinch of salt because, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, you know, I would be probably be the first one outside, you know, leaving the classroom if, if you know, sitting in a classroom listening to lectures again. It's just, it's very difficult, but I think um, we, we owe it to ourselves to kind of uh, keep, keep the brain uh, function, uh, functioning. And it's very important um, to do that, you know, all these you just realize that you have all these different skills that you need to you realize that and 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 sometimes you know i was in a very bad position where i thought okay i don't have skills and sometimes there's not somebody else to come and tell you that um you know you, you have this sometimes there is and in specific skill sets somebody tells you you can do this something you can't do that or you realize yourself so i think it's very important that um, you can you can catch these things early and then start building on them because you know who, who knew two years to whatever two two and a half three years later you know you know have a you know show doing a show with you and 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 you know we we're building a community of people that that are now you know kind of seeing the the you know the message that we're trying you know and hearing the message that we're trying to send that you know literally. Uh, nobody's famous, you know, and, 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 and anyone has a voice should be able to, you know, talk about, you know, their, their passions, et cetera, that kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. So, have you, have you ever, have you ever worked with a coach or thought about working with a coach? I'm not talking about life coach. No, no, I'm talking about, uh, I suppose, I don't like the term life coach. I'm not, talk, I'm not talking about somebody who, um, you know, sort of part-time, somebody told them once that they were good at advising people and, or, you know, you mm -hmm. should make a career out of this. I'm talking about somebody with training who is there to help you shape, like to draw these things out of yourself, right? And, you know, the line between coaching and therapy can get blurred sometimes. And I'm not talking about the more clinical end of things. I'm just talking about somebody who can challenge you and bring accountability to transitions that you want to make. So, you know, typically you like there are people who make a living out of you walking through them and going, you know what, if, I, I would really love it if I found a time to, to, to start a podcast and they would just challenge you to be like, well, what's stopping you? Mm -hmm. Right. Like you could take a headset like this and get on SoundCloud and get it going tomorrow. Like what's, what's stopping you? Exactly. Have you ever, have you ever thought about working with someone like that to sort of, let's say shape how you transition these things that are kind of creative and, and, and engaging for you it's uh, and the voiceover work of course into something which is like fully your full-time thing like have you have you thought about driving that transition with with external help I, i've never considered it believe it or not um the past um in the past recent you know time i'm i realized that i've been doing that to others they right. say that they want to start a show start a podcast or do something creatively and they needed that kind of push which i in a way didn't really get in the way that i th think mm. it should have been impactful so i haven't considered i would you know uh, love to consider that because you know uh, you know having a work mentor is very different than having a, a life mentor mm. and having somebody that as you said might be a passion mentor or passion coach so yeah, I answered the question. I haven't considered it. And I, secondly, I would say that I've, I realized that I'm doing that more and more to others because I see the challenges or the, the time that I quote unquote wasted in, in them, you know, and I don't want them to waste their time. 
Yeah, I think that mentorship is a is a is a big thing. And like, congratulations to you for for stepping into that role. Because ultimately, like, look, I think you're a really great example of somebody who I think probably undervalued. I mean, you just said it. You undervalued yourself in the early stages of your career. Whereas actually, even things that are that are that seem to you to be like, I think when we were talking earlier on about you know you have got value. You you should never find yourself in a corner. Um like just it's in our nature very often things that come easy to us we don't value right so for for you you're like a super relatable guy people get on with you like it's it's enjoyable to be in your company people want to work together with you you've always been that you've brought that kind of open-minded approach to to so many things that we've worked on together right you take that for granted because that's in your natural character Mm -hmm. right like you just bring that to the party and it's great but the um but for people who don't have those things Right, so somebody who really struggles to just walk up to somebody and and chat with them, or somebody who, you know, hasn't had the ability for whatever reason, don't doesn't feel empowered enough to go and take that step to do things creatively. Um, you know, if somebody's in that position, they can they can learn a boatload from you, but they also would value those kind of things in a More. major way, mm-hmm. right? I think we you know this intern uh, we have with us at the moment again, very non traditional background from an esports standpoint young young muslim girl lives in london like did not see herself working in this kind of space but she's just amazing we were talking about this the other day around all these strengths that you have you don't see them as strengths but they are what like within the whole if you look at the whole of like humanity there are things in here that you're already over indexing on like you're already higher than above but you're just not you're just not counting it because it's it just you just do it and it comes naturally to you but I think sometimes if you don't have somebody in your life who's able to give you that kind of, you know, dispassionate analysis, it's just to go, like, I've spent five minutes in your company and I love chatting with you. That's a great, like, that's a strength that you have there. Even something that simple, some, some people need that kind of thing. And I would really encourage, again, anybody who's, you know, struggling to find that motivation or struggling to find that in themselves to seek out somebody who can give that perspective because it's powerful particularly if that person's prepared to help you take accountability for change around things that you might want to like actioning that feedback right just doing something with it like you're in this job that you hate and now you need to be doing something else because you're more valuable than than that okay you're going to reach out to 10 people on linkedin the next week and you're going to come back to me and tell me that you've done it like even something that simple can be enough to jog somebody out of a spot so think about like think about that approach in terms of how useful that can be just to get a perspective that's not sort of overlaid with i'm your parents and i'm giving you this perspective because we want the best for you ali and we just want you to be happy or i'm your buddies and like you know i I don't feel like i'm in a position to be able to give you advice because we're both the same age and we went to school together and maybe you know it's not a kind of an advisory relationship it's really good to have that third party perspective sometimes mentor coach whatever it is go for it yeah, you're right, and that, that's um, I, I, that's some great advice there. And uh, it's very difficult to accept it the first time, but I've learned mm. through other things that if you, you know, the first time it's 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 probably always the hardest. But then uh, if you can you can um, you can cross that line. And you're right to you have these sort of traditional uh, relationships that kind of find themselves giving you the advice that, but maybe that's it's not the right. Uh, all the time it's not always the, the right um, uh, thing that you need um, Andrew I want to say that I've had an amazing chat with you it's been literally like going on to two hours here and um, I, I, I wanna I wanna close it off with with 
with two questions for you, you know, and then your final words, uh, of course. You know, I, I'm, I'm sure the audience has already seen how eloquent you are in the way that you speak and and also as, as a lawyer, how you are very detailed in the way that you speak and the way that you you touch on topics, you reference things uh, and how quickly you, you have changed from a, 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 whether it's private practice or a corporate mindset to being in with the kids, you know, and in with the, you know, in, in with the esports crowd, you know, so I, I want you to answer me, give me your take on the name Nobody's Famous. Um, well, uh, the, I, I really came up with, I really came up with a really annoying answer there, which is talk about, well, everybody's famous and so nobody's famous kind of thing. Uh, you know, in, in this modern era, we can all broadcast ourselves, of course, and um, it, to that extent, you can find out something about somebody's life that you've never met before by watching them for five minutes on Twitch. And that kind of access is, is absolutely unprecedented really. And we're in a sharing culture, of course, right. With social media and, and, and so on. Um, I, I, I like the idea behind the name. I think I'd probably challenge the premise. Like the reality is there are, there are people who are known, um, and, and pursue fame, don't they? And, um, I suppose I, I certainly wouldn't put myself in that category. So in that sense, I am I am a nobody who for this very brief period of conversation is famous in talking to you, Ali. So I don't know if that answers the question. It's a bit rambling, but that's how I feel about it. It's kind of, uh, you know, we always kind of strive to say, to tell people that it's more of like a statement. Um, you know, nobody is uh, famous. I love the nor... principle. I love the yeah, principle behind it's... it, behind the behind the podcast, and I think the. Um, I also like the graphic of the bag, on the head. That's that's also inspired. So whoever came up with that, round of applause for you. Yeah, I was. I tell you a funny story. I was told that if I didn't use, you know, I was presented with a couple of logos for for the listeners who don't know and the audience. By you know by 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 the people by the little people that work for you. Yeah. No, no, they're not. <laughs> by all means, they're way way bigger. But. Um, you know, I was presented with those with those three options, and um, I was presented with three options, and one of them was the paper bag. And I was literally told this question, this sentence is, "If you don't use the paper bag, we are selling this logo." So it was it was literally like, you know, it was it was the moment where we had to go from something that we completely, you know, comfortable with the glasses. You know, you walk in the street and. You, you see somebody wearing glasses and you go like, mm, are they actually famous? It's kind of gives you that idea of the show uh, to something that which was completely random. Let's throw the glasses in the garbage, not in the garbage, in, a, in, a, in a, just in a, oh, let's put them on the side, you know, let's put them on the side. Let's, let's bring in really what, you know, what the, what the name and the show is about, which is literally the fact that if I cover your face and this goes back to, you know, what I talked about the voice is if I literally cover your face with put a bag on your, on your head, all that matters is your voice and literally what you're saying and, and how you speak and, and the, the thoughts that you have because your voice gives you the power. And that's kind of the premise which we started the show is, you know, anybody can be interesting if you're at this, you ask the right questions and mm. you don't have to be an influencer to be interesting and you don't, you know, all this kind of stuff uh, it comes into play and the brand just was kind of spot on with that. And you sometimes, as you said, you need a, 
a third party perspective to to kind of throw that into you and then you have to make again it's not only that you know it's you have to make that decision to say let me go into the unknown and and you know it was you know at the first glance it was like wow that's a big change you know and you go like mm, but this is the change that you need and and then that's that's how you you know that's how we grew and as as a brand it's grown to to be more that inclusive and you're like ah i get it now you know i get yeah. it even more now you know so it's it's 100 just just to note when we were talking about negotiation they positioned you very effectively in that negotiation ali by telling you that they would sell that logo if you didn't acquire it so we talked about the message landing at the right time and ensuring that you hit the hit that mark right consider yourself negotiated ali yeah, you have been served i mean hey it's a win-win situation at the end of the day, you know, because I think that's 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 the art of true negotiation. Um, my my, you know, my final question to you, Andrew, is when I asked you to be on the show, which has been obviously a long time coming, and it should have been live, should have cut of course. Um, I I want to ask you why did you accept to come on to the show? Because, uh, sorry, this is going to sound soppy. Again, second time I've been soppy. Hands up. Uh, I really, I, I, so um, I was really pleased um, that you uh, told me that you were going to be moving to Canada. And, and I wouldn't have done it if you, I wouldn't have, I would have been, I don't say I wouldn't have done it. I would have been less inclined to do the podcast if you hadn't given me that bit of information. And why? Because, um, I think you're somebody with uh, that that the, the brings something which is more than just your uh, skill set, right? You think you have the the power, the capacity to do something really wonderful with your life, like with your with the podcast that you're doing. You're touching people, and you're you've already said it yourself. Like people are now looking to you as somebody that they can learn from. Right? That's a that's a wonderful, powerful thing, and and not everybody gets to experience that in their whole career. Right? We talked about people before who take that place of comfort and they just stick in it. Right? Um, so you don't want to do that. It was when we were working together, like we worked on on some stuff where I saw opportunities for you to kind of like take it forward, take it into a different space. And for whatever reason, it wasn't happening, right? Like, I don't know if it was just because it wasn't your passion or you saw something different for yourself in terms of your career, you had these other things going on. And so that center, central part of it wasn't really driving you forward. But there's been a couple of opportunities, it seems to me, where you've been able to sort of like, there's been a launch pad for something else, right? So going, like going, back, going back to school is one of those things, right? Like launching this is one of those things. And I, I like I feel like you're looking for something, right? You're looking for something just to go and you're willing to try different things. And I think that if you had stayed in your comfort zone, just continuing to do stuff, right? That would have been a loss. Like that would have been a mistake for you. So I really, like, I love, I love what you're, what you're trying to do. And I love your willingness to try new things. And so I wanted to do this more than anything else, but first of all, to properly reconnect with you, because I think you're a nice person, but also to support that move specifically to support you and give you this message if you haven't heard it before which is it's important for you in terms of where you are with your life in terms of what it is that you're looking for like the, your capability and capacity to really jump off and drive forward right and, and 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 going to canada and trying something else i think is a really critical part of that i think a change of scene is going to be great for you i think you can keep all these other things ongoing but also don't underestimate like where you could take all of this, right? Don't, don't, 
don't sort of feel self-limited in that kind of way like if you start to take away some of those limitations and look at actually what you've achieved with the stuff that you've done off your own back and you find other people that can creatively inspire you and drive that forward like your ceiling is is pretty high so i wanted to give you that message in and and particularly in front of in front of all of your listeners because i know there's a lot of people who support this podcast because they support you and they have goodwill towards you like again that's also an amazing thing to have so don't don't do those people who believe in you at a service by limiting yourself like really drive yourself forward and you can achieve great things mate so that's why i wanted to do this podcast was to give you that message in front of your many fans well i want to i want to say thank you uh, andrew because it, it, it is um they made me tear up there i just say that uh you know like some some great advice and i think some great advice to also the people that are listening because um it's it's really profound and a very very you know solid base they can build on so i'm, I'm, I'm very i'm very appreciative of all the detail that you have noticed and you know the kind of mentorship that you are you have shared in this in this in this brief moment right now at the end of the show so I really appreciate that, um, Andrew, and and I I wanna end it there with you know with with that amazing uh, uh, statement that you've made and 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 just you have any any last words before I sign us off? None at all, Ali. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much for giving me the opportunity to talk to you. The the, the pleasure has uh, been mine, and and I hope to uh, reunite and uh, reconnect in a live show very soon. I want to sign us off. This has been. The Nobody's Famous Podcast with the one and the only Andrew Cook, General Counsel at Fanatic, doing great things at esports um, with the Fanatic team. It's been an awesome and amazing pleasure to speak with you. We'll see you on the flip side. Make sure you, you know, listen to this on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Rami, wherever you like, and you can watch this on YouTube. We'll be with you all the way. And this has been the Nobody's Famous Podcast, signing off.